God bless you all. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to start a series today called Chosen by God. And we are going to go through uh, the, the uh, scriptures tonight and some quotes. We're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. Uh, we're going to talk about the freedom of the will. Uh, we're going to talk about the bondage of the will if we get to it, see how it goes. Um, with that said, musicians, if you can, you can, you can go ahead. It'll be a, a minute before I get to the scripture, so... Um, thank you so much. So the, the, the scriptural doctrine of election is actually the only way that we can rightly understand the gospel, the grace of God, and the application of the original sin. You know, it, it, it's, it's through... A true revelation of that, that we can understand that. If, you, if you're not seeing election in the scripture, you're actually not really seeing the gospel. You're seeing a false gospel based upon... Thank you. You're seeing a false gospel based upon human will, human effort. If, it's, if our salvation is up to us, our choosing, our purposes... We will fail. Amen. We will come up short. Right. Salvation is completely of the Lord. Yeah, it's, not, it's not from us. It's not from our choosing. It's not from our purpose. It's His purpose, His plan, His word, His work. And if you have, you have our salvation based upon us, our will, our effort, now you get to the place where you're actually doing, you're despising the grace of God. And you're saying now that there's a human effort that can bring salvation that contradicts the very meaning of the word salvation. We need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We can't put forth an effort or a choice that would bring us to this position or place where, okay, now you're worthy of salvation. We are not worthy. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm just trying to plant the seed and kind of give you an overview of things. So, understanding election and predestination, the sovereignty of God, that's the truth that gives confidence to gospel preaching. Without having an understanding of God's sovereignty and salvation, you're telling me that we're to go forth to be evangelists and missionaries and by our abilities, bring people to salvation, it'll never happen. Amen. It is God, it is God sending, it is God speaking, it's Amen. God anointing, it's God calling, it's God from start to finish. Amen. We need a God-centered gospel, not a man-centered gospel. Amen. God is the center of the gospel. And he, he brings it to us through Jesus Christ and his purpose, his blood, it's all of him. How can, we, how can we move forward when the reality is that it's based on our choosing? It's based on whether we stand, whether we continue, whether we 
achieve something. It's not going to work. <laughs> so, ultimately, the sovereignty of God. Thank you, Brother Brad. Who is in, who is in charge of the universe? We speak about free will. Okay? We have free will. Absolutely. No argument there. But who's in charge of the universe? You and I? Or is God in charge of the universe? Is, is our purpose going to stand? Or is God's purpose going to stand? Or perhaps Satan has somewhere in there. You know, there, at the uh, college that I went to, there was uh, a professor. He was also a pastor named Greg Boyd. And he believed in something called open theism. You, everybody that wants to take their seats, feel free. I'm just, I'm just getting an introduction. We'll get to the, probably do a quote before I get to the scripture. So, so this uh, professor I had in college named Greg Boyd, he, he was teaching this idea of open theism. And that's that God knows all the possibilities of what could happen, but he doesn't know with precision what exactly will happen. Because we have free will and we can impact on what would happen there. And uh, we had many conversations, me and uh, uh, people in, my, in, in the college about this, and all of us, you know, it's, it's a harsh thing to say, but all of us, many of us came to the conclusion that this is, simply beyond the pale, outright heresy. And uh, absolutely it is. It's literally changing the nature of God. And it's completely wrong. That's way out of balance. But then there's this, there's this idea that you see today. Now, traditional Arminianism, so Jacobus Arminius was a reformer. His viewpoint was different than almost every other reformer. But his idea was, yes, God chooses us, but that choice is only based upon foreknowing our choice. It has nothing to do with the sovereignty of God. It has to do with him knowing all, poss- uh, not all possibilities, knowing everything that will happen. But he only, only knows what choice we'll make. And that's how he pre- predestinates. So that's Arminianism. And then there's Calvinism. Calvinism is that God chooses, God calls, God is completely sovereign over the whole process from start to finish. And there's all kinds, Brother Branham talks about uh, Calvinism being out of balance. Now, you know, there's, he also says, I'm a Calvinist. So um, there is types of Calvinism, you'll call it hyper-Calvinism, or you call it extreme Calvinism. Um, It's things that Charles Spurgeon was preaching against. It was like, you didn't have to preach the gospel. You didn't have to have a burden for lost souls. You didn't have to go out and do missions. God was simply going to save those he chose to save, and the rest of it was not necessary. Again, that, that's completely out of balance. There is a scriptural balance to understanding these things and approaching these things. It's not in open theism. It's not in Arminianism. It's not in pure Calvinism. But it's in a scriptural truth and the fact is the message gives us something even further beyond those things that they never really saw or understood that gives us uh, the bal- the proper balance in those things so the ultimate authority in the world who is it man 
Our will, our purpose, or is it God? Can we change the plan and purpose of God? Ultimately, we cannot. Nothing you can do, nothing that the devil can do, nothing that any person on this planet could do could change God's purpose. Um, so first thing I want to start with in this um, is that God has sovereignly decreed everything that has happened and that will happen. Nothing is outside of his control and nothing catches him off guard. He planned each and everything that way. And as we understand some of these mysteries that are revealed, even in marriage and divorce, God created within uh, his creation certain uh, abilities or lack of abilities so that when they made their choice, it, it brought about a fall. You know, he, he made Eve as a byproduct. He made her in a certain and specific way so that when she was approached, she could fall. Why? Because God is a Savior. God is, God is love. How do you know what God is? You have to have both sides of the, 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 the coin, so to speak. If you don't know God's wrath, you don't know the meaning of God's love and mercy. You have to have those opposing, uh, they're not opposing attributes, but two sides of the attributes. Love and judgment. Or mercy and judgment. Love and wrath. Both of those things magnify who God is. You have God's wisdom. Uh, you, you have all these attributes of God, and they need, he, he needs to express himself. He's, it's in him to be a savior, so there has something to be fallen that he can save, etc. This was God's purpose. This was God's plan. Um, when did God plan it? Uh, let's bring up the quote, uh, Brother George, from Things That Are To Be. says, your birth was here was pre-planned. I guess you believe that. Every one of you knows that our birth was pre-planned. Did you know that your being here never originated just as at a myth or a thought? Look at this. Everything, how many things? <laughs> Everything was all pre-planned by God before the foundation of the world that you would be here. So in other words, God had orchestrated everything all along the way so that you that those people that were sitting there listening to brother brandon preach things that are to be would be there i mean think of the millions of chance happenings that took place for that to get to that place not only those people but all of the people in 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 history who who was the parents the the grandparents the all the way back I mean, all of the things that had to happen, the choices, the decisions that they had to make, people were others, other side of the planet, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to go to America. I mean, you think about how God orchestrated all of those things. It's absolutely incredible. We're going to bring up our first scripture now, Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He's done whatsoever he is pleased. Let's look at that verse here. He's done whatever he pleases. So in what does he do what he pleases? Everything. So 
nothing thwarts the plan and purpose of God. Nothing comes against it. He does what he desires to do. And what we desire to do and what what we purpose never changes the fact that God does what he pleases. The next verse is Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generation. The word counsel there means advice, and it, it, it speaks of his plan. So his plan, his purpose, stands for how long? Forever. Every generation, from the first generation all the way to the very last one, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22, all of God's purposes and counsels stand. It stands. It doesn't waver. It doesn't change. It doesn't, well, well, they did this, so i got to change my idea over here, and they did over here. No, his counsel, his purpose, his plan stands. It's unchangeable. Isaiah 46 Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So he declare. He, does he just know what's going to happen? No. Declaring the end from the beginning. When when you make a declaration, you're saying, "This is what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what's happening." So he. Comp- what we're seeing today in our world, this should give us joy. This should, should this should make us rejoice, because what's happening in our world today it seems scary. It seems fearful. It's not. Not for a believer. Now, for the world, they're losing their mind. They're absolutely losing their mind. Um, you know, I, you think about, imagine a real plague coming upon the earth. What would, what, I mean, people are literally driving down the freeway in their own car by themselves with a mask on. Um, and it's not just one person. It's a lot of people are doing it. You see the fear, the irrationality of fear. And even you just think, just, just think for a minute. If you have a mask on and you're going all over these places and you never wash it and you keep putting it on, what is it doing for you? I'm, okay, I'm getting off the point. But I'm saying this is, a, this is, this is the irrationality and insanity of fear in our day and age. Imagine when a real plague comes. And as you see, the statistics are coming out, and scientists are looking at this, and they're comparing what's really happening to the models, and it's way different than what they projected. And, and they made their decisions. They, the politicians, made their decisions on fear, and the people of the world are living in fear. Just imagine when there's really a reason to be afraid. It's going to be un... We're going to be gone, praise the Lord. <laughs> we'll be out of here. But... The counsel of the Lord will stand. His plan will stand. Once again, it's going to stand. Something that stands is stalwart. It's not laying down. It's not withering. It's standing. 
And everything is beating against it. Satan is beating against it. And it's just standing. Nothing is changing. He will do all his pleasure. Wow. You know, this thing, you see that a couple of different times. God speaking of doing his pleasure. We think of, we don't, when we think of God, we don't think of him having pleasure. But, but it's something that God, re, he rejoices in himself. Think about that for a second. He rejoices in his sovereignty. He rejoices in the plan that he has, that he's accomplishing in the earth. If he takes pleasure in it, should we? <laughs> we should take pleasure in it.